super excited for today. Oh, I am too. I. Why are you excited, Kim? We have an actual human being besides the two of us in our studio today. Oh, her? Yeah, that girl over oh. there. <laughs> would you like to introduce I her? I would love to. Her name is Sarah Koshel, and she is a freaking phenomenon. Wait a minute. Who are you? Oh, I'm Kim. And my name is Steve. And you're listening to An Hour of Your Life. Um, welcome, this Sarah. Is how, this is how excited <laughs> Kim is right I, now. I don't even know what's going on right now. Sarah Koshel is here in studio with us. She is an acclaimed author um, and blogger. Uh, has a book that just came out this past year in June of 2021 called Murder and Mayhem in Dayton and the Miami Valley. And it's so good. Even if you're not from Dayton, it's so good. And is the founder or of a blog called Dayton Unknown. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Hey, so I'm going to put you right on the spot right <laughs> away. Checking out your Dayton pedigree. And Kim says, you're, oh, yeah. you're dang near Dayton royalty. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> See, Steve doesn't know. So he always, he always, call, he jokingly calls me Miss Dayton because I, I'm like, oh, I'm fourth generation Daytonian. My family's been here since the twenties. Like I grew up in Dayton. I know a lot about Dayton history and I love it here. And then I started reading your bio and I said, oh. she has sulked ever since I said, oh, she's a Newcomb. <laughs> I said, she's, she's like Dayton royalty. Do you know more about Dayton than anybody else in Dayton? Cause I kind of feel like you do. I don't know if I know more. I know a lot. You do know um, a lot. A plethora. <laughs> yeah. Between the book and the blog there, you know, a lot, and, a lot. Yeah. I, I do have personal family history. Um, my, I think it's my six times great grandfather is a Newcomb. He wasn't uh, Sheriff Newcomb. He was actually his brother. He died in the Revolutionary War. No, the War of 1812. Wow. Um, I'm so also, not only is she Dayton royalty, she's a DAR, or it could be. Possibly. Um, I'm also uh, Stebbins by Oh my family. gosh. Walter Stebbins is my first cousin thrice removed. Wow. Which means three generations down. Yeah. My great-grandmother's first cousin. So, so you have lived in Dayton your whole life. Yeah, oh, yeah. she's kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, and we're only serving regular coffee here. No, we're serving Winans. Yeah, Winans. Nice coffee. Yeah, yeah, I had the fancy creamer. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay, well, good. <laughs> <laughs> we want we, you to be comfortable. We roll out the red carpet around these parts. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's, I have so many questions, I don't even know where to start. What you, you wrote in the beginning of your book that you were inspired by your dad, who is a big history fan. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Did you grow up learning about Dayton history? Not actually Dayton history. Um, it's kind of funny. When I was growing up, I thought history was boring. <laughs> Considering I wrote a book that's about both history and crime. Yeah. You know, I, I thought history was boring. It was well. one of my least favorite classes in school. <laughs> it's because they don't show you, they don't tell you the interesting parts of it. Yeah, this was more, when I started learning about Dayton history, it was more local, more mm -hmm. personal. Um, you could actually go to the places the things happened. And I think that helped um, yeah. develop the history. I did spend a lot of time at historical sites growing up. Oh, that's cool. My father was very much into the Civil War. Oh, was he a reenactor? Um, we actually, the whole family participated in a reenactment once. Oh, fun. Um, did you ever do Gettysburg? Yes, we went to Gettysburg. Okay. Oh, that can be a little overwhelming. <laughs> I don't even remember it, to be honest. Oh, I was really? probably like five or six. Oh, okay. 
but Fort Sumter, um, Gettysburg, all, I mean, you name it, we were probably there. We went to other stuff as well, but um, that was the reason we went. Yeah, that's and then we cool. got to go to like an amusement park or something. <laughs> you know, something Here's for your the consolation kids. prize. <laughs> that's cool. So, what inspired you to do like the murder and the mayhem? Did you mention the name of the book? Yes, I did. Okay. I said murder yeah. and mayhem in Dayton in the yeah. Miami Valley. You can so, get it on Etsy. So, or Kindle, or any Barnes and Noble, any number of places. What what, on Etsy. <laughs> what what inspired you to do go after the murder and the mayhem? Do you like? watch Dateline NBC and all these shows like that or what? Well, I actually grew up watching Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was my absolute favorite. Um, but I was actually contacted by Arcadia Publishing by History Press. Oh, cool. And they asked me to write a book. How did they find you? They read the blog, Dayton Unknown. Okay. And he asked me originally to write, um, I think it was called Hidden History. But then he found out somebody else had gotten that already, that contract. So he said he'd be in touch. And then a few months later, he contacted me again and he told me that uh, here are the options. It was murder and mayhem. There was one that was nonviolent crime. And then I think there was a third option. But after reviewing, I thought I have the most material for murders. <laughs> and I find it the most fascinating for some reason. Yeah. How did you... How, so, okay. So that leads a whole nother line of questions. <laughs> How did you, did you take it seriously? Like, did you, when he first contacted you, Duh. did you believe it? Cause oh, yeah. I would have been the person that's like, yeah, right. I, I looked, you know, like, okay, this is a real company. This is yeah. a real person. <laughs> Cause you know, you want to make sure that no one's sure. pranking you like, holy cow, I've always wanted to write a book. Yeah. I never thought I could. That was the thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, he gets me this and it's a series of short stories, right? It's much easier to write than sure. one big story. <laughs> yeah. And how did you choose which stories you put in? Well, some of them, um, the one you were talking about earlier with the prodigal son. Yes. That one actually, my favorite. Was, they suggested it to me. They're like, Oh, have you ever heard of Oliver Krokow? And I hadn't. And so I looked it up. I wrote a short piece on the blog. Mm -hmm. Um, there were about four stories that are on the blog that I took and just, added more detail, kind of revamped, and then they got in the book. The rest of them, I just started Googling, like, murders in Dayton. Oh, interesting. And, okay. um, yeah, that's going to lead into a lot of stuff that we've asked about or that we want to ask about. We have a couple notes here. But, like, before we get there, what was the process of writing? There was a lot of research. Um, <laughs> I tried to get down to the root, the absolute original source. So instead of, you know, if Kim wrote a blog, mm -hmm. um, I'd go to her sources instead of just what she wrote. Because, you know, uh -huh. every author compiles and interprets the information and may interpret it differently. Sure. So I tried to get back to the original. So most of my sources were, there were some court documents. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, there weren't a ton and they didn't keep great notes on everything, but um, a lot of newspaper sources. That's what I was wondering, if you had, like, went back to original court records, if you lived in the basement of the Dayton Daily News, or what was the <laughs> newspaper back then? Um, there was the Dayton Daily News. I forget what year that started, but there was also the Dayton Herald. Okay. Oh, yeah. And I think Dayton Journal or the Journal, something like that. Are those archives still available? Newspapers.com has a lot, and hmm. then... Um, I went to 
the Greene County Library. This was pre-pandemic. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and they just have newspaper articles. They made copies so the originals are, you know. Do you find safe. that you can get like those articles? Can you get them on like from the Greene County Library? Can you get that stuff online or is it all been archived or? Um, you know, I got all of my research like it was 2019. So they may have made more of this available online. Um, they had nothing else to do in 2020. Maybe they, <laughs> right. <laughs> but when I, when I found uh, newspapers.com and like actually joined and, you know, stopped running through the trial memberships, whatever email address, <laughs> <I had. laughs> that's when I really took off. Um, you can find so much. Um, a lot of my later research had to be online. I couldn't go in person because of, you know, 2020, but, um, it was fascinating. I went to, um, oh, what's the name of that building downtown? I looked at the archives, looked at uh -huh. court records. Um, I actually got a coroner's report for one of my later stories. Uh -huh. Oh, wow. The very last one, um, the telegram, that uh, murder stop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that one, I actually got court, like court documents for it. Wow. Now, did you... Did you always like, did you kind of know where to go to research or were you kind of oblivious and you're just like, not I'm just going to start all. looking wherever <laughs> I can figure it out. I did not. Um, I didn't even know how to properly like cite them for the bibliography. It's been so long since I had to cite a sure. source like that. Yeah. Um, even for the blog, <laughs> I'm just like, I got it at this website. And my friend, <laughs> Bethany, the one that does all the uh, internet stuff, she would do that. There you <laughs> go. Okay. Excited for you. <laughs> the most important question of the day. What format did you use to source? Oh my yeah. goodness. You, crickets. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago, I think they call oh. it. But that's what they wanted. Oh, okay. Oh, well, there they, you go. Did yeah, they, they at least me. send you like a, here's a book like AMA or something like that and... Do it like this? I Googled. You Googled. It's Bethany's problem. That's not her problem. <laughs> there was a bibliography website and you could pick what format you wanted. So I just put all the information in there and it did it for me. Yeah. Right. So that's how. I got to admit, I didn't look at, look, I, look at the, let me see the book here. So yeah. that's actually, so I, our listeners may not know that I have a master's in English education. And even though I have a master's in English education and I'm like supposed to teach this stuff, Literally, that's how I got through seven years of college was that website because I don't do I don't do <laughs> bibliographies. I don't know all the formatting. So, it's, you know what? It's a tool. Yeah. Use it. You may and as well. It, I mean, I just looked at it. It looks different than any other type of formatting I've ever, oh, I I've ever looked at. It. Look at it. It's really interesting. It's yeah. different. I mean, did you think it was different? I... I couldn't remember MLA well enough to tell I mean, you. You, 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 all yeah. went, you all went through the same school system. So I figured they Pretty talked much the same the stuff. best school system in the state of Ohio, by the way, I should mention. Yeah. So th that's the process of how you went through to write the book. A lot of, you must be super organized. Like <laughs> she, she, you say that, but then I'm sitting here looking at your copy and it's like tabulated yeah. with all these sticky notes and you've got a little binder and like, or a little uh, like notebook thing. And yeah. I bet you're more organized than you give yourself credit for. I have notes. On it's like color coded. Yeah. <laughs> like here's notes for the podcast stuff. I wanted to, you know, maybe mention. Yeah. This is for a potential second book. Here's <sighs> the stuff. Uh, that was going to be a question. Yeah. I'm Good. still working on finding enough. 
Yeah. Um, so is there going to be murder and mayhem Dayton, Miami Valley part two? I'm hoping so. I have almost enough. Are you going to move cases. to white collar crime? Is that no. what you mean by nonviolent crime? <laughs> like the boring the stuff. Worst, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The boring <laughs> I stuff. I mean, That's really? Exactly what I thought like, okay, cool. This guy had a gambling ring. Mm. <laughs> no bootleggers. Oh, a bootlegger murder. Hey. Yeah. You know? There you go. <laughs> okay. Well, there you're getting yeah, into I it. I don't know. I don't even like watching the gross parts of scary movies, but you know, you give me like a good murder story and I'm there. As yeah. long as there's not, you know. <laughs> so uh, it's funny that you should say that because I want to read an excerpt if you don't mind. I think I know which one you're talking uh, about. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> was it Christine Kent? Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. So she says that she doesn't like like murder mysteries, but listen to this. 18-year-old Christine Kett had been bludgeoned to death inside her home and was lying in a pool of her own blood just above the steps of the home cellar. Her body was positioned pointing down the steps, her head and shoulders laying over, or I'm sorry, I lost my place, hanging over the top few steps of the cellar and her lower half lying on the kitchen floor. In life, Christine Kett was undisputedly a beautiful girl. In death, she was a gruesome sight to behold. The once beautiful young German girl had been left nearly unrecognizable. Her head had been battered into a nearly unrecognizable mass. A broken shard of her skull, matted with hair, had fallen down the cellar steps. Bits of her brain matter had spattered about the room. Her blood had spilled down the steps, collecting in a darkening pool on the floor at the bottom. Near her body lay a bloody axe and a pistol. I can't believe that you don't like gruesome things. Like, clear, obviously, you hate gruesome stuff. It's just when I watch, like, uh, I know what you did last summer. I just, I just introduced my husband to that movie. You know, with the hook and all that. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, Ugh, gross. But yeah, I write about that, and it's totally <laughs> it's fine. Fine. And, you yeah. know, it's realism versus a movie, and somehow the realistic stuff is not as bothersome. Yeah. I mean, I've looked at Lizzie Borden crime photos. Yeah, there you go, Black Dahlia, like, where you're like slashed ear to ear, and yeah, I'm yeah, fascinated. It's totally fine. So, of all the stories in the book, of the fifteen, there's fifteen stories in the book, short stories. How did you? I'm Do you guessing, have a favorite? I'm, well, I'm guessing you had maybe 20, 25, and you had to sort and pick through? There were, I think, 17 to start with. Okay. But two of them, I just could not find enough information. Hmm. Um, you know, you can only Google so much, and, it, you know, pandemic. Yeah. I don't condone only using one type of source, but I had to make do. Right, sure. <laughs> um, there was one uh, right at the end of Wayne Avenue, right where it hits third street, there was a laundromat mm-hmm. and um, a Chinese man was running the laundromat, laundromat and um, another Chinese man killed him. And it was supposed to be that they're members of Tongs, uh, different Chinese gangs. Oh, now what year are we talking about? Oh, that, I believe that was in the twenties. Was it okay. a cold winter night? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were joking before the show that like a lot of these murders seem to take place on cold winter days or nights. You know, if you've lived in the Midwest or yeah, winter, you would understand. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, <laughs> There's nothing to do except murder people <laughs> pretty much. So what happened then? Um there was a witness, um a boy on a bike, a messenger, saw like heard a shot, saw the man running, and he chased the man until he saw a constable on the street. So that man was arrested. So very much, I mean, who pretty, else did pretty it? Pretty cut and dry. You yeah. can't say like, oh, well, me. But um, at the time in Dayton, there were not a lot of Chinese people. And attorney Jack Egan, who's actually in this book, he 
he's pretty radical when it comes to, I mean, you got to see his career. <laughs> he uh, sat the defendant down in like a certain outfit and then sat probably 10 men that looked just like him. Oh, um, similar hairstyles, the exact same outfits right behind him in that very first row. So when he asked the witness to identify the man, there were 11 similarly looking men that it almost created an optical illusion. Oh, so he actually had trouble identifying the defendant because there were so many men around him that looked and dressed just like him. Similar, yeah. So that actually got the man off. Wow. Of the crime. <laughs> wow. Well, that's, that's genius. Well, that's, that's even better than, by God, I shot myself. Yeah, oh, gosh. <laughs> I just imagine the Volandigum, the one you're talking about, when he says, my God, I've shot myself. I just imagined him like sitting very prim and properly like, <laughs> my God, I've shot myself. <laughs> just the way he said it. like, yeah. Okay, so we kind of jumped into that one without giving away the book. Because yeah. we want people to buy your book. Yeah. Exactly, yeah a little, little background on that one. Volandigum, man, you could honestly write a book about him. He's He was all over the place. He was a yeah. copperhead. He was... He was pro-slavery, anti-Lincoln. <laughs> he actually got himself uh, deported back when the South seceded. Were they oh. deported to Alabama? Yes, actually. <laughs> it may not have been Alabama, but he was deported to the South. <laughs> um, so funny, like just hearing the term deported used. Yeah, yeah. deported just, to the South. They just kicked him down to the South. <laughs> like, you're making us mad. Just get out. send all the undesirables. <laughs> Cincinnati. No. <laughs> A little further south. <laughs> but um, Volandigum, I, I mostly focused on this specific case because, wow. Uh, it <laughs> was, yeah, I also don't want to give away too much of the book. Yeah. But, I mean, the the story just went Just think went about sideways. it this way. Like, if Johnny Cochran was trying to defend O.J. Simpson and he put the glove on and it fit perfectly... That's kind of the same, kind of, kind of what happened with the Volandingham case. Yeah. yeah. Only much more violent. That is it. No spoilers here today <laughs> because it is, we, we've read the book and it's just one of those, and the, they're short stories. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's, it's easy to like, I like last night we, we finished it up. We've had a really busy week. Yeah. But it was like, well, let's read one more. And actually we were reading them to each other. Yeah. Just to, oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we wanted to do it. We wanted to turn out the lights, and I wanted Kim to sit by the fireplace and read. It was too dark. Like <laughs> like it would have been like in on a cold winter night, but um, it was too dark. So, so, so we turned the lights on. We turned the lights on. Still had the fire going, but yeah. But yeah, so um, so do you have a favorite? You know, it's really hard to pick. Um, even when I was writing them, it was more like the one I'm working on is my favorite. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that was the one I had my head around and sure. all the information. Um, I do really like the Fogwell one. Uh, that's chapter nine, mainly because in chapter eight, you actually, you get a taste like of yeah, it's, this character. Yeah. Yeah. Complete coincidence. Uh, really? <laughs> I, I was just writing about it and um, the stories are in chronological order. Cause that just helped me organize it in my head. Yeah. And um, finding out that like the very next one, like, wait, I know that name. That's exactly what Steve said when we were reading it. He's like, wait, didn't we just hear about that guy? And I was like, yeah, we did. You know, an interesting fact, um, Steve Grismer, he's also an author in Dayton. He also runs the Dayton History Police Foundation, Dayton Police History Foundation. Mm -hmm. And he noticed when he was reading the book 
that Fogwell had the subpoena in his pocket when he was shot, which means he died in the line of duty. He was performing an act of duty. Yes. He is working with the Greene County Sheriff to get him recognized for that. That's awesome. So it might actually change who in Beaver Creek was the first officer killed in the line of duty. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Right? But, but what <laughs> like, I, wow. What I really liked about it, like the shorts, like I was saying before I sidetrack myself, <laughs> it's you read and they're so engrossing and you get into it and then, you know, it's over. It concludes with a good conclusion. And then it's like, how many times did Kim said, like, let's go to bed. I'm tired. But he said, I'm going to read one more. I'm going to read <laughs> yeah. one more. And just I was like, my throat hurts. Going. I don't want to read anymore. But this one's not that long. So we'll go ahead and do another one. Yeah. And it was yeah. just, I loved how that worked because they're all, well, they're shorts. They're all independent. And, you know, there's a beginning, a middle, background, and then there's, the conclusion. But I also... But you're about to change history. Yeah. I, oh, my gosh. We're hoping that maybe 2023, the dedication, he'll be in there. Have you watched Outlander? No. Okay. <laughs> Talk about changing history. Well, <laughs> I have to explain. I haven't watched, like, any new shows because I have a, a baby. Yeah. And I can't get into anything because if I do, he'll start crying. He needs something. Oh, yeah. And it's like, well... Oh, they're like watching it, later. it might take like two days to watch one episode of something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> those babies are the worst. <laughs> so I watch a lot of reruns. It just, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, that um, totally makes sense. Enjoy it while you can because before too long, you're going to be watching Blippy and all those like kid. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the kid shows. Yeah, I've got some older nieces and nephews. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, and I really like too the way. Um, I don't know. It's just something about one of my favorite things about Dayton. And it seems like it's always kind of been this way is that Dayton is a small town, big city. Do you know what I mean? Like even today people, there are people who are Dayton famous and there is a local shop, Hart Mercantile who sells a shirt that says Dayton famous. They sell some of my books. (laughs) And so you like, you know, like they, if I were to say, um, well, like you name names like Grismer or um, Newgum, like, you know, these families and these people and you like it's and it's always kind of been that way, it seems like in reading the book. And so like Fogwell, you see this this char- character who is an actual person right. pop up in this story and then this story. And you kind of wonder, well, I wonder, did this person know of this person and did this person you know, did Fogwell ever testify in a case that Valandingham tried and like just different things like that. And I think that's one of the neat things about the book is that you do see the same people. I found it fascinating. Um, One of the later stories after I'm trying to remember which one it was, but one of the later stories, they actually talked about the handling of a gun. Like, let's make sure it's not loaded. Let's be very careful because one of the men that was, uh, in that case, one of the lawyers was actually on the legal team with Vlandigam at the time. So there and you another go. one was a close friend of his. And they're like, well, let's, <laughs> they were involved. <laughs> they know. Do you ever find yourself thinking about possibly writing about, um, you know, longer books like this about just individuals? Like, would you ever be interested in writing even like historical fiction about, um, Fogwell, Fogwell or, yeah. yeah, I've considered it. Um, it is a little bit harder to get good, solid research for these um, just because they're older and 
I mean, the research that was gold. Oh, <laughs> yeah. These articles, all the information I got came from these articles. The gruesome stuff you read about Christine Kett, that was in one of the newspaper articles. That's crazy. They just describe it and, um, it, you know, direct quotes even like, you know, you killed Christine, right? right yeah. That yeah. was in one of the stories. Like, you know, you did that. Well, I, I love history. I love to read about history, but sometimes that gets a little bit dry. So I think my favorite genre is historical fiction mm-hmm. because you can take, well, you know, you can take what happened, but you can put in those little stories that obviously aren't true, but it just gives that much the flavor to the story. So yeah. you could like, oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> like Fogwell and to just like make a whole life story about him. That would be cool. Um, you know, there's always stuff released, um, more information that unearths after you write the book. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Another way it always goes. <sighs> there was actually with Fogwell, they actually had a surveyor go out and map. He literally drew a map of the entire murder scene. Here's where this was found. Here's where this was found. He drew a picture. <laughs> Wow. It was released two months after I submitted oh, my manuscript. Oh, of course. And then, too, some of the things... I was thinking it was in the book, but I think it was actually on the blog. And um, it was... Oh, I forget who it was, but it was about a cemetery. And there was, like, a rec center right next to the cemetery. And they wanted to annex the land. And in order to buy the land to begin with, um, you had on the blog a list of the things that people would donate to for the fundraising of the land and it was like a gallon of whiskey to <laughs> donate for the fundraising of the land and like it was it's just interesting yep. to see the different things that you that you come across that now you would be like really a gallon of whiskey I love that um just the fact that it is so different from today yeah um I actually found a murder that it actually happened I lived in Revere um Revere apartments mm-hmm. And across the street where uh, Kroger is, Mm -hmm. there was a house there, you know, back in the 1800s, and someone was murdered there. Oh, well, isn't (laughs) that convenient? Across the street. (laughs) That's a pretty active part of town right now. There's been what Cheryl Coker is still still missing. That happened right there. And then I thought they found her. I think. I think you're right. I think they found her remains. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, in a field. Yes. Down around Middletown, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's been a couple of other murders and crimes that right in that, yeah, like one square mile of right in that area. Mm. What's going on there? <laughs> it might be a hub. A hub. A hub. <laughs> it's built over a portal. <laughs> Library Park in Miamisburg. Yeah, right. There you go. So how did you pick, like, geographically? How far out did you expand? Yeah, what do you consider the Miami Valley? Uh, Sure. (laughs) Well, I... River Channel 7 broadcaster. (laughs) You know, if I keep driving and Mix 107.7 is on... (laughs) There you go. Still counts. (laughs) Yes, it's good. No, I I did mostly just stuff that was kind of in the area. Um, I did look up, you know, Miami Valley cities and Mm -hmm. Dayton Dayton suburbs. So I kind of tried to make it a loose umbrella... Just as long as it was kind of in this area. Yeah, it seems like there's a fair amount in Greene County. I went to the Greene County <laughs> Library. Yeah, Bellbrook and Beaver Creek area. If you go into the library, the basement is where they have like their historical room. You just go up and you're like, yeah, I want to learn about murders. They'll be like, okay, what year? <laughs> is it creepy down there? Oh. I mean, is it like 
<laughs> like cobwebs. Does it smell like an archive? Well, you know, it smells like a library with oh, older books. I love that but smell. <laughs> creepy. I'm not sure because, like, I mean, I hang out in cemeteries. Right. And Subjective. <laughs> I write about murders, you know, like, so I'm like, eh, I don't think it's one person creepy, but <laughs> one person's creepy is, is Sarah's homie. Yeah, it's kind of like a spicy thing. People will be like, is this spicy? And I'm like, well, my husband's Indian, so <laughs> I don't think it's spicy, but you're crying. So maybe it is. <laughs> Yeah, well, since COVID, my <laughs> we both had COVID, and since my tastes have changed, I we flipped. I used to be able to do the spicy stuff, and he was the one that was like, "Nope, now I, now I'm I'll as white as they come." And now, now I'll fix something. Kim's like, "Oh, that's too hot." And I said, "You know, give me that red pepper." <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't <laughs> know what happened. Interesting how that flipped. It's very weird, but so and then you also, um, would you consider writing? Are you into ghosts? Oh, and yes. ghosty yes. things. So, so would you consider writing sort of like a haunted Dayton as opposed to like, we've got, I don't know how many, 10 haunted Ohio books. Would you ever do like a haunted Dayton book? I love the idea. Um, it is something I've considered because, uh, you know, so many of the ghost stories in mm -hmm. this town, they're not really written anywhere. It's more like, well, if you grew up around here, you've probably heard the story. You may right. have heard the story. So it, be nice to have, you know, here's, here's what we think happened and here's what we've heard. Sure. Here's any research behind it. But yeah. Cause like, I <laughs> mean, just you find it's a dead end though. Oh yeah. Right <laughs> off the top of my head. I think of, um, yellow rose or not yellow rose. Um, Amber Rose. Amber Rose. Rose. Thank you. Amber Rose. And they have a ghost. I've been wanting to go there. And <laughs> Old Trail Tavern has a ghost. Old Trail Tavern? Yeah. And Yellow Ooh, Springs. Like, write this down. <laughs> yeah. Old Trail Tavern allegedly has a ghost because it, it, it's like upstairs, I guess, in the old part of the tavern. Oh. Um, so, yeah. And so I, and, but I don't know where these go. Victoria theater is supposedly haunted. I've been to Victoria theater. I didn't see a ghost. Yeah. I've never seen a ghost well, in any of these places. I saw but, a Christmas Carol. So I did see I like mean, three ghosts, but <laughs> three of them, you know, they were supposed to be there, <laughs> but you, I don't know where they came from. So that would be really interesting. Were you able and this? I just thought of this. Were you able to use any of the universities? Because I know oh, where yeah. I went to college, they, document and they archive like bluegrass music, like Moorhead State University, and they do that. And so when we're talking about like some of the the ghost stories of Dayton, did any of the universities, did some like grad student like collect the stuff and document it and archive it or anything like that? Like mm -hmm. it, it seems like that's something that UD or I would Wright think State Sinclair. I remember when Sinclair. when I was a kid, my mom went to Sinclair for a while, and I do remember they had like this book on the flood. Um, if you're not from Dayton, we had a big flood in 1913. It was kind of a big deal, and uh, and they had collected all of this um, like archival stuff on the flood. And then of course you mention in I think it's in the book. Um, it might have been on the blog. We. I get them all mishmashed together in my head. Um, how Sinclair was the site of the first hanging. Yes. And actually the first uh, person in my book to die, um, John McAfee was the first hanging. And it's what I'm understanding is it's right where the swimming pool at Sinclair is now. Oh, well, that's convenient. Yeah. My husband was like, oh, I know where that swimming pool is. Let's go. <laughs> he went to Sinclair. Yes. And I'm like, oh yeah, John McAfee, you know, the guy in my book, like he was hanged there. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, let's go look. <laughs> but, did, were you able to use any of the universities for resources? 
I know Wright State had some information, but um, again, COVID. Yeah. yeah. I found so much of this stuff during COVID when they were like, we're temporarily closed. You know, come back when the earth is back to normal. <laughs> Which is really amazing because this book is so well written. You would never guess that you didn't have access. And it just makes me wonder how much longer would the book have been if you'd have had. <laughs> you know, there's a point where you have to like cut off the research mm-hmm. because I love research. Do I, you? I love going to the libraries and my husband, my poor husband, he's been dragged to so many. I'm like we can go to lunch afterward. And it's like 2 p.m. And he's like, look, I'm hungry. Oh, can we go? And I'm like, but wait, this guy, <laughs> you know, I, I found something else. Like this guy murdered his wife. He's, <laughs> meanwhile, he's like, I'm about to murder yeah. mine. If you don't get something in my belly right now. Yeah, you're going to have a new, new <laughs> chapter. Relate. New chapter in the book. Yeah. Oh, that's the timeline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I purposely picked stuff that was older. Um, 1935 is my most recent but it's because I didn't want anyone that was oh yeah still alive to the to, story to be alive or any of <laughs> yeah no that makes sense no that makes sense are any of Fogwell's descendants around still? Not that I know of, but I actually had that thought this morning. Like I should research his family tree and yeah, you know, see if they're around. Or I know that um, Lee Lynham, who's chapter ten, he's got some descendants um, that Steve Grismer has been in contact with. Um, Steve Grismer was. A detective for Dayton, so mm. you know he's very yeah he knows police scene yeah. And Lee Lynham was the first Dayton police officer killed in the line of duty. Second, he was the first. Lee Lynham was so far Dayton in Dayton. Oh Dayton, okay. yeah. Not Beaver Creek. <laughs> Dayton. No, I totally understand where you're coming from, but um, we have no known pictures of him. Oh, there is a in the book. There's a roll call where it's you know a picture of like 30, 40 men, I think. But we don't know which one's him. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's hard to tell from that because, you know, the picture's so old sure. and grainy. Yeah. Even and, if you try and zoom in. <laughs> in all your research, did you find when there was like a cut, maybe a very definite cut or a time period? It's like right now, we don't use constables here. Mm-hmm. So when did, did you notice like when policing changed? What was policing like back in the day? You had a sheriff for the county, right? And then... Did you have, like, Dayton had a police department. Did they use constables, or how did, did you see any, how that worked, or? You know, I I wasn't sure where the cutoff was for that. Um, that was actually something that was interesting to me. I wanted to develop that more, um, learn more about how they did policing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fogwell's case, this one keeps coming back mm-hmm. up. There was actually an article written in the 90s talking about, or the early 2000s, talking about the CSI style that they used to, it was groundbreaking at the time, um, to gather evidence in that case, like having the surveyor come out. They took um, the suspect's boots and they actually put them in the footprints they found to make them match up, to see if they matched up. I've seen that on TV. I found myself thinking of Richard Ramirez when I was reading that part, because that's how they caught him, really? was his, his um, like, they had a bloody sneaker print, and they managed to match up the bloody sneaker print. And and it, I'm, it comes, str- like, it's a direct descendant of this case, and that techno- technology, the te- technique is... It's fascinating. Like, way back then, they had this, this, I don't know what you'd call it, like, techniques. Yeah. These techniques, these methods. 
and they used them and I mean, I feel like that was a strong conviction. Oh, absolutely. Definitely hold up through appeals if they ever did that. Yeah. Um, and that's the one where the guy wrote the rambling letter. <laughs> yeah. Steve likes that one. That's I totally my didn't do it. favorite. <laughs> because I just, the style and the manner and how they spoke back in the day, it just, it just rambled. But it, maybe that wasn't uncommon for him to, Probably for not. back in the day, but it was just like lots of prose and it was just, Really? Because he was so adamant in that letter, I did try to look into, is it possible anyone else did? You know, I looked through other stuff at the time, but no, I mean, (laughs) it would have been a great twist if he really didn't do it and he was framed. Oh, yeah. Where did you find that letter? Um, It was in the newspaper. Wow. everything in the newspaper, I'm telling you. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. um, There was so much that was just, it was in the newspaper. You know, the gruesome stuff, the quotes. There was, there was a case where um, this like people were talking in town, and this uh, man said, "Well, I don't believe in capital punishment." And they're like, "Well, what do you think this man should? How do you think this man should be punished?" And it's like, "Well, I'd hang him, but I don't think he needs to be sent up to the capital for punishment." Yeah, we're not going to send him to Columbus for that one. But back in the day, did they? They did executions like in the counties, and eventually, you know, everything went to the the state prison in Ohio, but do you know when that stopped? Like when they stopped doing public hangings in Greene County and actually Montgomery they, County? In Greene County, it's actually interesting you bring that up. There was one legal hanging in mm-hmm. Greene County, only one. And might have been your favorite story. <laughs> Wait a minute, you said legal. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I, I noticed you I made that distinction. Some, well, you know, <laughs> you could say it was the only hanging, but then someone's like, well, what about that one guy? Yeah. <laughs> no, this is legal as in by the the county. Mm-hmm. The county did this. They, you know, made the scaffolding and everything just for that. It was drama. It was absolute drama. <laughs> the entire thing. Oh, yeah, because that was the one where they put up like the fence and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the third chapter. It was... Rand's bottom. Mm-hmm. Yes. My favorite. <laughs> Fanny Rand's bottom. The murder of Fanny Rand's bottom, <laughs> which her parents already did a murder to her with that name. Um, <laughs> well, now that depends on how you look at it. Well, if you name someone Fanny, I'm sure back then that wasn't, you know, <clears throat> a backside. You had an Aunt Fanny, didn't you? I had you? an Aunt Fanny. You know, <laughs> Is she, did, did you giggle when you'd say her name? <laughs> No, (laughs) I just grew up with, I mean, it was, my dad had like eight, nine brothers and sisters. Yeah, you had a fanny and a jip and and all kinds of stuff. So I I had an uncle, Richard, (laughs) who went by a nickname. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, a lot of times if I'm telling a story, I'd be like, yeah, my uncle Dick and uh, Irma. And (laughs) I would just kind of mumble his name (laughs) because his name, you know, he's not being vulgar or obscene. Yeah. It just kind of sounds like it. And when sure. we talk about it, I didn't want anyone to comment on it. <laughs> like, yes, yeah, so my uncle and his <laughs> wife. and <laughs> So poor old Fanny Rand's bottom got murdered. Uh, and You know, the funny thing, and I'm not laughing at murder, but <laughs> the funny. funny note in that story is that her husband cut her throat. And then he's like, I do not want to be hanged. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cut my throat. And he tried to, but he stopped because it hurt. Yeah. He's like, no, man, this hurts. I'm not doing it. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I think we mentioned too, you also write a blog or you started a blog. 
Yeah, I started the blog in 2014. And what's the name of that one? Dayton Unknown. Dayton Unknown. And are you the biggest contributor? Do you have other contributors now that that blog into that? Or um, my best friend and I started it, Uh and originally it was just me writing the stories, and then she would edit to make it look nice because you know I'd probably be a big wall of text if I did it (laughs) or. Weird paragraphing. I have this tendency to write two or three sentences and then start a new paragraph. Hmm. Um, you don't see it in the book because my editors. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to work on this. Okay, just don't be offended. And I'm like, <laughs> Same with quotes. I'm terrible with quotes. I kept making a new paragraph every time there was a quote. Mm. It was a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she did all that stuff. She makes the page look nice. Um so much of that now she's writing a lot too um she's contributing uh that story you were talking about with people donating or you may have been uh people donating like jugs of whiskey and Mm -hmm. stuff she actually wrote that one oh that's cool okay so we started reading some of the blog last night too and you talked about carpenter road which which just so happens (laughs) is in our probably about three or four hundred yards that way yeah okay now Okay, that's not spoiler alert. You want to tell a little bit about this Carpenter Road story? <laughs> and then we're going to add to it yeah. because we're going to give you more of a blog. We will. Fascinated. So the story I heard as a teenager, um, many teenagers that grew up in Kettering or Bellbrook on this side of Kettering, because I know you were on the other yeah. side of Kettering from me, uh, they've heard about it. I heard about it from my sister, from kids at school. The story was that a man went crazy and killed his whole family. And then you can see him like cutting through a field, carrying an ax, even to this day. Mm -hmm. I found nothing online that like correlates with that. No newspaper articles, anything, but you know, the story persists. Sure. Other people say there's like a ghost. There was a witch in one house. Um, Would you like us to validate your experience? I would love to hear. We don't know. So yeah. So like, like Sarah mentioned, we grew up on opposite sides of town. So I didn't know the Carpenter Road story, but we, it is lit pretty much literally in our backyard. Like there is a cornfield and then there's Carpenter Road. And it is not unusual at two in the morning, two in the morning for the dogs the to morning. go absolutely nuts. That's the witching hour. <laughs> and want to go out into the backyard. And there's nothing out there. There's nothing out there. No coyotes. No deer. No deer. Nothing. I mean, we've seen a lot of deer in that cornfield out there. Oh, I believe it. But there's nothing. Because, I mean, it'll happen like on wow. a full moon night and we'll go out there. <laughs> we'll go out there. And so, the dogs would be going crazy and we'll go out and there's nothing. There's no I, deer. There's no coyotes. Goosebumps, like right now, because as I, I wasn't familiar with it until I read that blog article and I was like, oh my gosh, Steve, the, the dogs are seeing the ghost with the ax and he's coming through the field. He's going to get us. Now we didn't say the dogs are, but we were talking about like, what are they? There's nothing out there. What are they barking at? And then we read the blog and now it we will, all, and now it makes sense. We'll always know what Jack is barking at at two in the morning out there. <laughs> the man with the axe. The man right? with the axe. So now, I, my dumb self, I plan on going out the next time it happens yes. and just stepping out on the back deck and telling him to go away because he's keeping me awake. And we'll see if it works. We'll maybe, see if it works. Maybe, phone, maybe do some EVP. I should. We should call Never the ghost know. hunters. <gasps> yes. We should. We should there is the a local hunters. Gem City ghost hunting. 
You're organization. Right. I forget what they're called, but and then have them on the show to discuss the results. Sold. Done. Yeah. It's happening. As long as they find something. <laughs> we had we there was actually oh, we'll make sure they find something. Don't worry. Can There's you imagine a, the show like we found nothing? I don't I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> part of a movie that's gonna be coming out here one day was filmed in our backyard. Oh yeah. Filmmaker local filmmaker Steve Heeman wrote a um a scene of like the wicked witch of the West playing a drum kit and filmed it in our backyard. That sounds like a lot of fun. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was really was interesting. I mean, he brought in a lot I of people. That. Yeah. And they set up and they just filmed it, but it was a year that the corn was out there. Yeah. And so that's what he wanted to make it look like wizard of Oz, Kansas and stuff like that. Do you listen to a lot of podcasts? Actually? No. <laughs> okay. Have you heard about fifth and Ludlow? No, I haven't, but okay. uh they won the best best podcast in Dayton local we podcast. Lost, we lost to them when we, we lost we, to them. We were nominated for Best of Dayton. We were a finalist in Best of Dayton and we lost to Fifth and Ludlow, but it deservedly was an awesome so. story. I yeah. voted for them and not us because it was really good. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So basically that story it's it sounds like the type of thing like oh, local yeah. Dayton history. People, I don't want to give away too much of that one either, but people were doing renovation on a house they just bought and they found a note under a bathtub. And it was very mysterious. And this, yeah, very mysterious note. And this couple, all I'm going to say is they did a lot of research and they were able to piece together the story with that. And that's all I'm going to say about that because it's an awesome podcast. They got a grant from the art Institute or something to like do all the research and stuff. So that's something that too, you might like besides the publisher giving you stuff, like go hit up the art Institute and like the local, like the funk museum and all that kind of stuff. They probably would give you all kinds of stuff. You know, what's interesting about funk Dayton is to funk what Seattle is to grunge. Mm hmm. Like, this is the home of funk. Yes. Hmm. I have to make sure to enunciate that word. <laughs> There's an N in there. Yeah. <laughs> right in the middle. Yeah. I'm the museum, I think, is opening soon, or is like it's, there, we're creating a, a, a funk museum in Dayton and uh, and it's supposed to be opening, I think, or there it's in the works. It's been in the works for years and all kinds of good things are happening in this city. I'm very excited. Me too. So as you're writing the book, what did you find interesting? There's, is there stuff that you want to bring out and talk about, about writing a book or the stories or just anything about the whole process? Well, I know I mentioned him before, but the attorney, um, Egan, Jack mm-hmm. Egan, he, it was fascinating because he had a very solid, like wild approach um, like what I talked about with him lining up all the similar looking men behind yeah. the defendant. The very last story in my book, um, the defense he used for his client was basically like, okay, he did it. He totally did it. <laughs> but here's why it was okay that he did it. Mm-hmm. Like, here's why <laughs> it was justified. And it worked. Uh, <laughs> he shot in the middle of the telegraph office. He shot a man. People saw him do it. People heard him say, like, you know, this is what you get. I won't go into exact phrasing, but uh, people heard what he said to him. He sat there as a former cop of Savannah, Georgia. He sat there and waited for the police to get there. And he's like, yeah, here's the gun. I totally did it. (laughs) There he is. Yeah, here's the gun. Here's the guy. (laughs) And he he still walked away with it. With custody (laughs) of his child. Okay. 
Okay. Like, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) But the way he kind of laid everything out and the culture at the time, Mm -hmm. um, it did end up suiting him and working in the defendant's favor. Like a real Barnaby Jones. It was wild. Yeah. I mean, that man, (laughs) I love it. I love these stories and I swear I could probably do a whole book on him, but somebody already did. (laughs) (laughs) Do you... Do you get, have you made contact with any of the, I know you mentioned earlier, the descendants of some of these um, like fabled legendary story people in Dayton. Have you met any of the descendants? I haven't. Um, Steve Grismer actually is the one that knew mm-hmm. the descendants of Lee Lynham. And uh, he told me the stories because as he was researching for his own books, he's actually heard of many of these cases sure. and in some cases in his books, he's mentioned, you know, a constable here or a detective there, or maybe even a suspect that he may have, you know, they, some of the names are in there. Yeah. So it's almost like name dropping. Yeah. You know, you're like, oh, I know that name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it makes me wonder, like, is there is there like a secret underground Dayton historian book writing <laughs> gang that you guys all belong to? Almost. Um <laughs> Because I am friends with some authors. Um, you know, as you publish, you just start to meet other people that are authors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like Steve was a source for me while I was writing. And then once the book came out, um, a friend of mine, I had a mutual friend with another author who wrote about Jewish history in Dayton. Oh, cool. Marshall Weiss. Mm-hmm. And turns out Steve and Marshall know each other. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, especially with Dayton in particular, with the Wright brothers and the history of immigration in Dayton, it really has a lot to pick from as far as historical, fascinating stories. So I would imagine there is a pretty big historical community in the Dayton area. Oh, yeah. Um, if you go to Carillon, for mm-hmm. example. My favorite place in Dayton. I love their souvenir shop. <laughs> <laughs> it's also the first place I ever saw my book in a store. Aww. So, you know, it does have mm. that meaning. They've got some cool stuff. Yeah, they do. But then when you're looking at the books, I'm like, oh, I know him. I know him. <laughs> oh, hey, that's Andrew's book. Andrew Walsh. He wrote mm-hmm. Lost Dayton. Yep. Um, you're, you know, it's fascinating. It's like, oh, these are all my friends on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do do you, you feel do you feel that? Like, do you feel like you're a a big time Daytonian? I don't know about that. Oh, Kim. <laughs> like, no, because she is. Like, she's she's important like you are thank you it's it's a, it really is an honor to have you here oh that's so sweet i don't know like um it's very it's so nice to have these other authors that kind of understand things um if you've heard of like ohio legends mm-hmm. there's ohio legends one two and three jeff mm-hmm. wilson i'm friends with jeff wilson too <laughs> and i feel like look i'm friends with these people yeah right <laughs> but jeff and i um we met at the Wright Library uh, publication. They had, you know, you could submit stories. Mm-hmm. I submitted a version of the um, Prodigal Son mm-hmm. that was before the book. <laughs> so the Prodigal Son is actually the third version of that story. <laughs> I love it. It's my favorite one. I love that one. I love the plot twist. Yes. I love that one. Um, but Jeff and I sat there and talked about the book, um, you know, he draws all of his illustrations because it's easier than trying to get permission. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just lucked out that all my pictures were like old. <laughs> yeah. 
So, and if you publish under a million copies of a book, like there's a difference in the copyright law. Oh, or it's under 500,000, regardless. Oh, yeah, I bet that was something that you had to know, too, is copyright and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, not like, with podcasting. Well, my editor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'd just be like, okay, I'm having trouble with this. He's like, okay, here's what you do. And he just laid it out. Like, they made that process so darn easy. That's nice. Did you use, Kim has been doing some stuff, not writing, but, and you came across a website to help organize like plot lines and storylines to keep characters it, yeah there's um so one of the sarah and i met on tiktok and i found another um another <laughs> writer it. actually on tiktok who uh this is going to be kind of dating this show but there was a big tiktok war and she started a uh, a page called watching the war and uh and you know, I hopped on one of her lives one day and she mentioned something about writing fantasy novels. And I said, Hey, if you're ever interested in me editing, like I, send it to me, I'll do it for free. And she was so excited. And so she sent it to me and I read it and I said, how do you manage to keep, cause it's a series of five novels. And I said, how are you managing to keep all of these people? And they're like, how do you keep them all straight? And she introduced me to this website called campfirewrite.com. And it is so in-depth, and I think it's really made more for fantasy novels, but I could see how you could use it in a historical context because it allows you to kind of keep track of your characters, and um, you can build, like, character family trees, and you can, um, like, integrate uh plot lines and stuff and kind of keep track. It's like an organizational flow chart almost. It was really interesting. But so do you have, like, how do you keep track of all of your stuff when you're writing? <laughs> I'd like to see your computer files, how you <laughs> organize. Actually, they're old school because, you know, I went to school in the 90s. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's paper. <laughs> Will you need help up the stairs when you leave here? <laughs> If you could, you got one of those chairs. <laughs> but um, I, I was paper organization. I have separate folders for each story, and then all the articles are in there. And so if I'm writing about one of them, I would just have all the articles spread out. But I put them in chronological order. Mm. Or it'd be like, here's when the murder was first reported. Here's the section on the court case. Here's the section after court, you know, after conviction. So it kind of helped me organize, you know, okay, I only need these files right now. I only need these papers. Um, and the way I organized the stories, I would just tell my husband, like, dude, guess what? <laughs> and if you talk about it, like it's gossip. Yeah. Oh, you're just yeah. talking about your neighbors. You find that you have like a great way to like develop the story. You're like, yeah. And then he said, can you, and believe? then they went here and then he was hiding in the basement and <laughs> None of the people were hiding in the basement, but you know, <laughs> it, it really helped you develop a way to tell the story that you found fascinating. Well, yeah. I, like, I like the way you told the stories. And like I said, it would have been perfect if Kim could have read the book to me last night by the campfire there or by the <laughs> fire. And it would just, it's like, you sound it's so like, spoiled. A woman read to me, <laughs> but it's, it's not like. Matter of fact, this, 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 this. It's very it's conversational. Story. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you're a great storyteller. It was you. really interesting to sit and we couldn't put the book down last night. We read most of it. But we had. To, I tried, but we had <laughs> a couple it. more stories to finish up. So that's mm -hmm. how we finished it up last night, and it was just. Yeah. I I enjoyed reading the book. 
Yeah. And listening. I enjoyed listening actually better than I did reading. Have you considered making it into an audiobook? Because you have a great voice. You would do a really good job. <laughs> I think you could do a really good job narrating your own book. I never thought about that. Um, if you I, are I ever interested, come now. on over. We'll record <laughs> it for you. That would be cool. Um, I do know it's accessible. Um, I have a friend who's blind. Oh, cool. She, I mean, not, wow, that <laughs> sounded really bad. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> no, she's she's great. Um, and she actually read or listened to the book. So oh, there is nice. there is accessibility, which I was thrilled when she told me that because, yeah. you know. I want my book to be reachable to people and sure. it's fantastic because that's unfortunately something I didn't think of in the beginning. Yeah. And so knowing that she's really good about keeping you, um, making sure that stuff's like right there in front of you. So you good. remember it. Yeah. I'm, I'm dead just completely off the wall, but with the technology and audio books, I wonder if Braille is kind of a thing that's of the past for books and stuff like that because almost any book you want you can now get on audiobook mm -hmm. i think we asked larry that yeah i used to uh work with a gentleman who was blind and uh and we had him on the show just to talk about what it's like living life as a blind person um or he prefers visually visually challenged i think because yeah. he's not totally blind but he's I mean, for the most part. Um, and so, yeah, he was talking about how, and he's older, he's in his sixties, I think. Mm. Um, and so he was talking about, you know, how far technology has come for those who are, are challenged and, uh, and just leaps and bounds from when he was younger. It just opens up all sorts of opportunities and doors for people like that. Now, that speaking of accessibility, what, who, what is the farthest that you know of that your book has reached? Um, I mean, is well, it all Daytonians that you hear from, or do you hear from your husband's Indian? So I'm yeah. sure like people in India have read your book, but, um, well, I do have a copy of it that's available for my mother-in-law, um, you know, autograph for her. So when she comes here in two months, she's going to stay with us for a few months. Um, be fun. So, you know, she'll take that book back. There you <laughs> so go. Worldwide be domination India. before you know it. Right now, my mom lives in Colorado Springs. So there's quite a few there. Um, <laughs> my mom, my mom is so proud. Aww, that she, she leaves does. the she book out. Be. So if like a repair person comes by, she'll be like, yeah, my daughter wrote that. That's awesome. <laughs> and she actually got one of the guys like, he's like, oh, I'm going to look this up. I might buy this. And. You know, I was like, oh, okay, you, cool. keep going, mom. <laughs> Do you autograph every copy that goes out? Um, every copy that I sell. Um, okay. The only ones that I'm selling directly are on Etsy. Uh, every other one is through the book uh, publication. So, um, well, if you go to Bonnet's bookstore, I've autographed all those that he has there. Heart Mercantile, the same thing, but I think they may have sold out. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, any author event I go to, anytime someone puts a book in front of me, like, Hey, will you autograph this? Yeah, sure. So do you go to like Barnes and Noble and places like that? And I considered doing that, but, um, you know, I saw Drew Barrymore did that with her book. <laughs> She'd go to Barnes and Noble. It's good and enough for Drew. It's good enough you. for you. <laughs> yeah. You know, since I'm comparing myself <laughs> to Drew Barrymore. Totally valid comparison. <laughs> but, um, I also like Reese pieces, so, you know. <laughs> You can see the similarities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're coming up close to an hour. Is there any other things that you want to bring out about the book? You know, highlights, things that you really, really want to mention that you think are interesting to you? 
Well, of course, you know, every story was interesting. Um, sure. Every story was something that I would tell again. That yeah. was kind of my criteria. Like I have enough information for it, but also I would tell it again. Like, mm. you know, hey. But one thing I found fascinating with um, one of the cases, the Dayton Slim case, uh, Rose by any other name, was how massively conflicting the witness testimony was. If you go through, and this won't give anything away, it was, oh yeah, he was wearing a hat, the light was out, no mustache. The next one was like, no, he had a mustache. Mm. The light was on, but there wasn't a coat. And you could go through and it w- every possible variation of that, coat or no coat, uh, shaved or mustache, the street light, whether it was on or not, cops were conflicting with each other's statements. Uh, different people like, no, I totally know this guy. I would recognize him. And he didn't have a mustache. And he was, you know, 20 feet away. Someone else was like, I walked past him and he had a mustache. And they were all sure that it was the same person, the same night, the same time. It's so interesting the way the human brain works and like you don't. Well, we've watched that on a lot of these crime shows that eyewitness accounts aren't all that reliable. Yeah. Yeah. And that's perfect example right there. Newspapers aren't always, well, media in general, (laughs) because there's such a rush to be the first person with the news. Mm. Sometimes they don't... um, make sure it's the correct information. Well, we had a saying in the army, first reports are always wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was actually reported as dead when I was 17. Oh, well, um, well you're I'm very much you're alive. Here. In fact, so. it's your birthday today. So yes. happy birthday, Sarah. <laughs> happy you, birthday. I yeah. figured out how to work it in there. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, we're glad much. you're here to celebrate your birthday and we are yeah. honored to be here. Right. Would you like another cup of coffee on us? <laughs> With the good creamer. With the good, <laughs> good creamer. creamer. Yeah, it's interesting too. Um, kind. It's not quite the same thing, but I uh, with Mothman. You know, like the the famous cryptid Mothman. You like cryptids? They, I love cryptids. They did a story, a um, a like a study on people who claim to have seen Mothman, and they did. They got like card or not cardboard, but like um, like plywood cutouts of Mothman three different sizes in three different locations. And they put him in this one like forest area at night. And then they had, I think like 10 or 12 different people drive by and they like popped up the cutouts. And (laughs) it's kind of the same thing that you were saying is all of them. Sometimes they, you know, there was one cutout that was like seven feet tall. There was one cutout that was like five feet tall, one that was like 10 feet tall. And they all had, it didn't matter which one they saw. They all had various, conflicting like this is what I saw and I think it's so interesting when you when you ask somebody their first hand recollection and you don't realize at the time that you're seeing something that you're going to have to recall it later especially if you're testifying on the stand and somebody's life is in your hands that you your brain just kind of short circuits and you don't really know you you are certain, but are you really certain what you saw and how accurate was that? So yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, yeah. That case was fascinating and I won't ruin it for you since I know you haven't gotten there yet, but one of my favorite testimonies of all the cases is in that book. And it's someone who was in the area at the time. Mm-hmm. I'm trying not to ruin anything. <laughs> um, and his story, I... I just imagine there was a silence in the courtroom after he was done talking. Just a dead, what? You know, (laughs) Because the stuff he says was just kind of out there. Hmm. 
Well, I think a good defense lawyer can use that to his advantage, like yeah. putting 10 similar looking guys there up you behind go. you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you know, I bet you that's, he knew this stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, because they do have to kind of hear what they're going to say ahead of time and yeah. they kind of have an idea of where they're going to go. But this guy, <laughs> when I read it, I just kind of had to pause for a second. Like, what do I do with that? <laughs> You know, you quote him. Yeah, there you go. That's you what you do with it. it. Yeah. You quote him. You want everybody else to have that same, like, what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And there's a couple um, things in the book that are like that, like the twist that I mentioned earlier. And there's one story that talks about, um, and it's the same story in the prodigal son story, where there, the the victims of the murder, um, there were three victims, but there was so little left of them that there are three three people buried in one grave because there's so little of them to bury. It's in Woodland Cemetery, actually. Um, they're all buried under the father's name. Yeah. it. There's just so much in this book that's just, I mean, even if you're not from Dayton, it, they're really stories that transcend um, the 937 area code. Like it's just, they're, they're fascinating, interesting stories, no matter where you're from. It's just kind of an extra little boop that you're from Dayton that you can actually kind of go to these places and see um, where it took place. But they're, they're really fabulously written and really good, interesting stories. Well, unfortunately all good things are going to have to come to an end and hopefully you'll write another book <laughs> and you'll be back in here and I'd love to four or five months when that book is all written, <laughs> done oh. and edited. Yeah. <laughs> but any, any last things you want to bring out about your book? Um, it's actually a great conversation starter. Mm, um, yeah. You know, because you could go somewhere and, you know, you're just at a Walgreens and you're like, you know, there was a murder committed here. <laughs> <laughs> and if you deliver it right, yeah, it's all they the ask delivery. you to leave. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great way of getting out of parties if you don't want to go. So how do people find your book? Well, I'm going to plug Etsy first because that's buying directly from me. Um, I sell autographed copies on Etsy. Um, I'll automatically autograph them, but if you want them personalized in any way, feel free to let me know. I honestly, that's where I got mine from and she ships them like same day. So it got yeah. here like the day after <laughs> I ordered it, it was in the mailbox. So I oh, would yeah. highly recommend the Etsy option. I do my best to get it out right away. Um, you know, I love Amazon because of how quick you get things, but yeah, <laughs> Etsy, you don't get them as quick. So I try to make it speed up that process as much as right. possible. And you get a free bookmark if you order it from, from Etsy. Yes. And <laughs> you get a Dayton unknown business card. There you go. <laughs> That's um, also stuff I got from the publisher. You know, they, they love to help you promote your book, which is fantastic. I can't imagine why. Uh, me neither. <laughs> but you can also go to Amazon. There's Amazon Kindle. You can get it directly from the publisher, Arcadia Publishing, uh, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, uh, one of my favorite places that we've already mentioned, the Carillon Park gift shop. Mm. Um, even if you're not going to buy the book, just go there. It's it, so much fun. Yeah. Uh, it's such a cool place. That's one of my favorite places in Dayton. Yeah. Me too. Um, you can also get this book on Google Books and Apple Books. And if I have any author talks coming up, which I need to work on, um, I will be selling them there as well. Now, the blog, what is the address for the blog for the Dayton Unknown blog? And how can people find that? It's DaytonUnknown.com. Pretty easy. Yeah. We, <laughs> we tried to make it as simple as possible. We also have an Instagram following. Um, Twitter, not so much. 
we have a Facebook page where we post the same thing. So if you follow us on Facebook, you'll get the same access to the website. We post every Friday. <laughs> um, and there's a Dayton Unknown at Hotmail email. So if you ever need to contact me or anything about the blog, you know, questions, suggestions, anything, you can reach us there. Very cool. So. Interesting. I'm so this glad is you really, came. Thank yeah, you so much for coming. This has been a really enjoyable this morning. Was fun. Yeah. And this is your first podcast, you said. It is. Yeah. So, yeah. So now, I mean, hopefully the rest of your birthday goes as awesomely as this morning did. But, but, <laughs> so I'm picking up the cake next. Oh, oh well, you should have just brought it here. I know, right? We should have gone there first. <laughs> yeah. We... Yeah, you should have gone there first. <laughs> we had birthday cake. <laughs> now, All right, when when so. people come over for interviews, we generally try to spend a little bit of time getting to know people and talking. Yeah. And sometimes it gets confusing for the stuff we talk about before. Yeah, we, we kind of mishmash it. It, it, it usually then. works the out. Pre-cast. Yeah, yeah, the, the pre-cast. pre-cast. Yeah. Well, All right, so there yeah, you I go. I should record those and release those as the, the precast. We could set like up like a Patreon and people can get access to our precast and we yeah. can make money off of you guys. Yeah. No, just, fine. you know, if you donate, you get a shout out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the and, YouTube. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So the book is Murder and Mayhem in Dayton in the Miami Valley by Sarah Koshel, available at all the places we already mentioned. Um, you can reach her through email. Um, if you want to reach us, you can find us on all the socials, um, an hour of your life, uh, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitter, that Steve runs. Um, and if you want to write to us, you can write to us at a lost hour at gmail.com. Um, and anything that you have to say that you want to get in touch with Sarah, we will be more than happy to forward along to her. Yes. Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show. Yes. We you brightened our day. You. Absolutely. This is great. So anything else, Kim? That's it. Sarah, anything else? I'm good. All right. So from our studios in Sugar Creek Township. Thanks for spending an hour of your life with us. Mm-hmm.